So this is uh, Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and you may have guessed that Steve Hall is with us this morning. Have I got some sort of... Here we go for Steve Hall. Oh. You can text the show on 812.15, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Frank on the Radio, email the show via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. Um, Frank, Steve looked really happy with his music. I tell you what, because Steve, having known me quite a while, was expecting a twist in the title. <laughs> I was expecting the final parp of the trumpet to be... A yeah, <laughs> I, I think he thought something uh, on unfair was coming <laughs> and then I and then I just gave him uh, praise and I raised him up yeah. that, that's the way to mess up comedians in general is the, the love I never got from my dad that's the, that's the way to mess with me <laughs> people in general <laughs> so um, he, oh speaking of um, all things musical mm. were we no I was um, <laughs> you generally are I heard Thin Lizzy on the radio the other day you know, the boys of Beck and Tell, that song. And it's all about these um, testosterone fueled young men um, returning to uh, the town centre to, to wreak havoc. If the boys want to fight, <laughs> you is it, better are they let from Birmingham, the boys are back in town. Well, he's Irish, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, oh. There's a big statue of him in, uh, in Dublin. Yes. And who's daughter did he marry? Leslie Crowther. Yes, fabulous. Um, <laughs> look up Leslie Crowther if you don't know him. He's, he's a big light entertainment figure and presented Crackerjack. And the price is right. <laughs> and the price is right. Um, Come on then. So I was listening to it <laughs> and it said, uh, Friday night we'll be dressed to kill. Down at Dino's Bar and Grill. And I thought, hold <laughs> it, the boys are back in town. They're going for a sit-down meal. <laughs> what kind of wildness is to that? Grill. We go down at Dino's Bar and Grill. That's fantastic. Well, that's... I'm going plant-based. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and if, if they got it, they might have it. They will. Um, and if the boys have truffle fries, you better let them. That's well, why that's they that's that's to Dino's Bar and Grill. <laughs> Go somewhere wild and crazy. Is that why they're back in town? They've learned from their previous mistakes. Yeah. They'd like to apologise for their behaviour the last time they were in town. This time they're lining their stomachs before they go out. And if the boys want to fight, you better... If the boys want a dessert, you better let them. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they go to... If anyone out there um, knows, because maybe there's some song, maybe it's a place in Dublin where hard men go to uh, <laughs> eat. From Dino's Bar and Hard Hill. men, but not so hard that they won't that, that they'll drink on an empty stomach. Not those kind of guys. I remember an old guy saying to me once, he got me a, he got me a pint. He said, you have a pint? And I said, uh, I haven't had actually eating anything so he said ah it's only gluttons what eat and drink <laughs> yeah. great uh, words of wisdom there on Absolute Radio <laughs> well also when they start proceedings off the boys if I may call them that yes I find they're quite reasonable they're not aggressive they say guess who just got back today yeah exactly it's quite nice start with a game <laughs> <laughs> yeah my first is in fish but not in boat who are these boys <laughs> oh man, the boys. Where have they been? Guess who just got Universe back today? Yeah, I've just got 
better from uni. Oh Let's go to Dino's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole thing has changed for me. If the boys want to fight, you better let them. They're not going to fight. They're full on. <laughs> I'm too full on. The boys have got had an ex yet. We had a fantastic gap year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, if any, oh, there might dear. be a story. You know, people know the stories behind songs. If anyone knows the, the story of Dino's Bar and Grill and <laughs> the oh boys. Oh, my God, guess who just got back today? Who? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Giles! Oh, wow! Will he be at Dino's? Yeah! Um, anyway. Um, yes. Don't forget this morning's texting when your phone has got no surface. How come the clock still works? <laughs> 8, 12, 15. Um, we've got um, Jack Malone and Natasha Hodgson from the West End Smash musical Operation Mincemeat as guests today. They're arriving at 10. We've actually got guests. We have guests on this show are as rare as the excrement of the proverbial rocking horse. But we have got we have got them well, today. That's a nice way to introduce yes. them. Yeah, well, you know, I'm excited there, aren't we? All the three of us love the show, so oh, you know, we really it's really absolutely, absolutely fantastic. So we're excited. Save it. <laughs> Save it. No, you were wonderful, darling. Do you know Frank once said to me when I said something nice to him, he said off air. He said, "What's the point in telling me that off air? What can I do with that?" <laughs> he had a point. Anyway, save it. Um, I. Uh, I was back at the hardware store this week. You might not be aware of this, Steve, but I went to buy a pen knife for my yes, child. Yes, I was listening a this couple of weeks ago. This God bless you for that. You're, uh, you're getting better at the whittling. Yes. I found a whittled stick that he brought back from camp, which looked, uh, it was pointy. Mm. Anyway... <laughs> I went back this week for other other things. My last, um, I didn't buy anything. So we're having a sequel to the whole. The sequel, but this is the happy ending to my disappointing forty nine ninety nine Swiss Army knife refusal. So I went back this week and I said to the man, um, "I'm looking for a scrubbing brush," (laughs) (laughs) and he said, "Yes, sir, come with me." And he took me to. You know when people have those sort of wine cellars and they have little, like, squares with bottles of wine in? There was a squares of about eight or not ten, and each one had got a scrubbing brush in. And I reached in and took out one of those, you know, spiky old scrub, and it was exactly the same as my mother had when I was a child. It's... I love the idea that I thought... That's it now. We've got it right. The scrubbing, yeah, no more meetings, guys. <laughs> yeah. That's the scrubbing brush. And nothing, nothing has changed. Yeah. You know, you must know yeah. comedians like this, Steve. They get 20 <laughs> minutes and they think that's it. That's perfect. Yeah, I'll it? stick with that for the rest yeah. of my career. But it's exactly the same. Nothing has happened to the scrubbing brush. And has it got a, a wooden back? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's wooden back. I don't work. even know what the bristles are made of. They're like brown, <laughs> hard, spiky nature. There's none harder. They're made of spiky nature. I've never seen anything harder than that. Oh, man. There's no give, Frank. Uh, I, sorry, I carried it back. I went into another shop 
and I put it on the counter and I said, don't worry, I'm not paying with that. <laughs> it was, looked like it was like a bank raid. I said, anyone moves and I'll scrub the <laughs> skin off them with this baby. Oh. So, um, How much is a scrubbing brush? You know what? It's three ninety nine. Bargain. Not bad. Yeah. I was I was pleased with it. Um, what I think about it though is I found in my career I don't know if you've you guys have found this that the ascent is the exciting <laughs> thing. You know, working on it, and when you plant the flag in the top of the mountain, yeah. then you think, well, what what now? And I I bet there's a sad backstory about the designer of the scrubbing brush um. <laughs> who got there and then thought, well, now what? What do I do? Uh, yeah. And he was just left. <laughs> you know how, you know, at the end of, uh, when was it? Was it 84 in, um, in was it Germany in 84? Um, when um, Torval and Dean danced Ravel's Bolero. Oh, Sarajevo, was it? Mm. Was it? And they were absolutely... Mag- they were perfect. They got loads <laughs> oh, of perfect yeah. scores. They might as well have just left... You know when they fall flat on the ice? They might as well have left them there, like the elderly relatives of Inuits. <laughs> yeah. They might as well have just left them to die on the ice because after that, how do you top that? Yeah. And likewise, the scrubbing brush designer. <laughs> and did he have Ravel's Bolero playing while he was designing it? No, he was on a really rubbishy ITV scrubbing brush <laughs> show for celebrities <laughs> years later. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. Frank, there's some important TCB that okay. needs to be done. Matt Cutler has been in touch. Yeah. We were talking about the boys um, boys being back in town. Yes. And I had a weird feeling there might have been some Birmingham connection. Yes, you said that. Matt has confirmed this. It's not actually Birmingham, but carry on. Phil was born in West Bromwich, like Frank. I he was think... christened in Selly Park and he moved to Dublin Young, so maybe it was about Birmingham Town Centre. Oh, Dare you call Birmingham a town? <laughs> um, I, uh, I he was born in the same hospital as me. I remember now, Hallam Hospital, as it was called then, where my mum said she lay in bed with the cockroaches dropping off the ceiling onto the beds. Oh, but she might. Have, you know. Yeah, Paul Cashmore said at Hallam Street Hospital. Oh, Hall- yeah, I think it's just Hallam Hospital, and it's uh, and now it's I think West Bromwich District. For those of you who uh, are interested in that kind of no one, and we've so, also um, had had clarity on Dinos as well. Oh yeah, we have. So uh, four six eight says Dinos is allegedly a reg- restaurant in Maidstone, which is now the Mughal Dynasty Indian restaurant, which Phil saw after a gig there. Oh, okay. Okay, and the, and finally, it doesn't really explain why the boys are going. Well, there. I'll tell you why. Bilbo Bakewell oh, is, yeah. is, has come to our rescue. Uh, it was revealed that Dino's Bar and Grill was modelled on Dean Martin's restaurant oh. at Seventy Seven Sunset Strip, Los Angeles. I expect it was very similar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, still, <laughs> nevertheless, it doesn't seem a place where the boys... Yeah. The, the you could rat, see why you might want to go, you the know. The rat pack in Maidstone may be an actual pack of rats. You can never be too sure. Oh, I yes. can't believe you said that about Maidstone. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I'm having no part of it. <laughs> have have we had an answer of why my clock still works when my phone has got no service? <laughs> no, but there's something I want to share with you. I, I thought of you when I... Sometimes I'll think of you, Frank. I'll oh. think, oh, I, I must discuss this with Frank. He'll understand. I don't want to put pressure on you. You might think this is completely unreasonable. We'll see. One thing I struggle with in this lovely weather we're having... Mm. And I, I didn't realise I had such a problem with it until I saw, uh, I came across this phenomenon yesterday. First sighting of the season, babies in sunglasses. Oh. It makes <laughs> absolutely ill. I cannot bear it. It feels unnatural. It's sleazy. Well, I think you could argue it is unnatural. They're, be- they're lovely <laughs> things. And to put these sunglasses on them, I saw one yesterday, it looked like Kurt Cobain. This is in real life. I I sort of associate it with the world of novelty postcards. No, people put sunglasses on babies. What do you two think? Well, first of all, can we clear up? Remember, this is 2023, so we have to say, of course, there will be some babies who need to wear sunglasses, Mm. blah, blah, blah. And um, we have full respect for them and their parents. As for the others, I think there is a thing of... um, of children as fashion glasses. Children as comedy accessories yeah. you get. I think I would associate it with those bumpers that people send in for Britain's Got Talent <laughs> and stuff. So that often there'll be a child then in uh, in sunglasses. Fashion wear in general. I, I sometimes mean, struggle this, with high fashion. Is this in the 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 climes that you live? Is this in a sort of oh, Slightly more bohemian Uh, circle. Have you moved to the Bahamas? No, as Frank says, functional glasses, absolutely. I'm talking about overtly fashion statement glasses, like the Kurt Cobain's I saw yesterday. What about the ones that are actually drinking straws that fold (laughs) off round and they go into a a cup at one end and into the mouth? Or the the ones that say 2023. I I won't won't be having those. I don't think you can get the drinking straw ones on. The NHS. <laughs> <laughs> but I yes. saw another pair which looked a bit Gary Oldman Dracula. They had a fashion bent. I have to say, my son has taken to wearing sunglasses of like he's eleven. He was eleven That's this okay. week, and yeah. he looks like Ian Hunter from What the Hoover. I mean, he really <laughs> does. It's oh, by the way, um, some of you will remember last year, my partner Kath. Um, painted a birthday cake for, uh, with Alice Cooper on it and uh, this year she did another one so I think I might post a, a picture <gasps> of that Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio so yes yeah, so I put I put a picture of the cake um, decorated by my partner up uh, I, it's a kiss cake my son is obsessed with the band kiss I'm gonna rock and roll all night. And um, he also got, now here's the thing, he got some kiss, what we used to call basketball boots, but you know the sort of high canvas trainer. High tops. Yes, but canvas, you know what I mean? Like, um, They're still high tops. Yeah, do they not call them basketball boots anymore? No. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I think it's best to be honest. <laughs> Anyway, he got a pair of those with Kiss on them. Now, I was thinking... Customs. I was thinking, have I I ever had shoes with a picture of 
something or someone on it. And I had some Basquiat trainers. You know Basquiat, the, uh, the artist. American artist, yeah. I didn't know who he was. I just saw these trainers and I really liked them. I thought they were Corpse Bride merchandise because they had these sort of scars <laughs> on the side. So I bought them. I can't remember what they were. I, wore, I loved them and I wore them literally until one of the soles dropped off. One of them. Oh. What era were you wearing these? Oh, what, 90s, mate. Yeah, into 2000s. Mm. And anyway, I looked them up. I thought I wouldn't mind getting another pair. So I looked up and I found a pair on the internet, $475. <gasps> so yeah, It's either that or the pen knife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but as, if anyone's listening, ever worn or had got shoes with a picture of someone, I'd like... Because I think that's real. Do you mean real. Cus- custom kicks you're talking about? Well, I think whatever, because I think no, if even the biggest stars, you're going some to get on a pair of shoes, I think. Yeah. It's not regular merch. It's a bit like your point about fancy dress, Emily. <laughs> the neglected <laughs> thing is always the footwear. Yes, I, they I always once, get it. Sorry. I once considered buying Gorilla the band did a, oh, did a shoe tie-in. Did they? And I was quite tempted, and my wife, I think I was 38, and my wife went, you're 38. OK, and, I, I, uh, I hate it when people say that. We have to just continue, don't we? We can't say. Well, not... I mean, I am a man who says you can't wear blue jeans after well, 50, so I suppose I'm equally guilty. Very recently, I, had, I haven't had a, a photograph of any sort, but I have had a quote customised. I've had trainers customised with a quote. Oh, okay. Just like, what's that area called, Frank? Just by where the ankle is. The heel. It's a coastal <laughs> inlet almost, <laughs> right by the ankle area of the trainer. Do you know what oh. I mean? The coastal inlet. Inlet. Is it the bit um, below the ankle? Yes, I'm showing Emily's you. Emily's showing me. Yes. Not great radio. You can see these trainers. I don't know if they have, but I have. Tra- I had trainers, and they had a little quote. Well, the basket, that. the basketball boots. I'm. I speak of. Mm. Um, I speak of. I speak. <laughs> they used to have <laughs> like. A, they'd have a rubberized ankle. Um, protect. Not ankle. Yeah, ankle. Yeah. Th- they'd have a protector over that bit of the shoe. I'll get you. So, do what, you want to know what I had? I do. It was a few years ago. It seemed like a good, fun idea at the please, time. Please, please say it was Cleopatra coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a decade on from that, but it was the equivalent of that. Go on. It was 99 Problems. Oh. oh. Mm, I won't tell uh, you no. what was on the right. <laughs> no. Okay? No. Oh. What do you think, Frank? Because I felt that when someone got a flash of the 99 Problems, yeah. it was tantalising... I enjoyed that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't say it, Steve. I'm, no. I'm, I'm absolutely not going to. You know, I've, le- I've learned over the years. I would it's taken love, me 11 years. What I'd love that. is I'm thinking now, is if I was working as a groundsman at a football <laughs> club, I would have boots instead of got 99 problems and my pitch ain't one. <laughs> oh, if there's any groundsmen listening, you can have that. Yeah. Also, we get session a lot singers... Yeah, yeah. any singers, any singers, yeah, yeah? people who own campsites. Yeah. Oh, you've had to make yeah. it no, that's good. That's good. I like. It was so glamorous, briefly. Uh, yeah, um, people who tar roads. <laughs> Frank Skinner, Absolute Radio. 
Ultra Magnus has been in touch. Mm -hmm. 99 problems, but a pitch ain't one is surely made for the ice cream man. Oh, so that he can get his pitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all buskers, I 99 guess. 99 problems, exactly. Buskers. Oh, 99 yes. problems you as see, well. It works on so many levels. Yeah, I saw a story about 99s this week. The people have been using broken yes. flakes. What's this? So they use half a flake. So um, you think you've got your full flight, but it's 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 superficial. It's a what, way of saving money. When you say people, money. you mean the ice cream vendors? I mean, I mean ice cream vendors. Yes. Do, do ice cream vendors still wear a white janitor's ja a sort of uh, evil professor well, jacket? Well, now, now they wear a cloak of shame. Revelation. Do they? I remember. They used to wear a butcher's sort of white coat, didn't they? Yeah, I don't, the one I know. No, he doesn't. He doesn't what dress I know? it. Just, well, just one of the. You say the one I. No. There's one that parks locally. <laughs> I find by us, you don't get the music and you run out your house to get it. They just park for Yeah, hours. they park up these days. They yeah. park up. They always park up. Do you know them by name, Frank? I think a lot of people have come from the Taliban countries where the music wasn't an option. So now they have to just park up. Sorry, Minister, I, I must push you on this. <laughs> no, I don't know. Do you know. know his name? I don't know The one name. I know. I, everyone who sells ice cream, I've called Tony <laughs> since I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of where you, they come Frank, from. Where, do you have, um, you know when they say, do you want sauce on it? I hate that. <laughs> when people have like red sauce and things on oh, it. Oh no, I love all that. that. Crush, do you? Crush nuts. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I always walk like this. <laughs> Uh, oh. The kids love the ritual, the the, the choice of sauces, the, the kids. kids love oh, the kids <laughs> love the ritual. This is what my parish priest was saying to me just the other week. Um, you say well, anyway, the kids love the ritual, not this kid. I saw, I saw a biro, you know those biro written signs that you sometimes get on things. I saw one of those oh. on an ice cream van years ago and it said, um, it said, Corny um, ice cream corny with chocolate flake, seventy p or whatever it was. I said that's a ninety nine. Is you see, we can't call. We're not allowed to call it that legally. <laughs> I thought really. <laughs> Your biro written sign is some sort of loophole. <laughs> and yet he was very serious about it. We're not allowed to call it that. Why not yeah, then? Like, like someone has um, copyrighted um, 99, the, the, the trademark. Rebecca Vardy. Or, oh, yeah, exactly. But, but I didn't realise that big ice cream was so uh, litigious. <laughs> well, you, there's a famous ice cream well, wars. I know. There's you should see him. Remember the ice cream wars? Was it in Glasgow? Yes. Quite a big, yeah, uh, yeah. got heavy juice. Was it a sort of slightly mafia? I, well, yes, I, I yeah, believe. Yeah. Yes. Well, we don't want to make any aspersions. <laughs> Well, I, I, I get well hay though. fever. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have aspersions in the studio. <laughs> um, yes, it was. I think it, it got. Um, Did it get a bit dark? A bit like the Elvis Wars in. I think in Streatham when there was two restaurants that both had an Elvis impersonator, and I think then things got heavy. Oh dear. Any other wars? <laughs> non military Any wars you can think of. Ice cream <laughs> and Elvis we've got. We don't want honest we don't want the thirty years war. We're on about um those sort of domestic Yeah, we've got Operation Minsme coming in later. Fiscal, yeah, that, they they've got a they'll have a war they can talk about. <laughs> this is Frank Skinner. Skinner. This is Absolute Radio. 
<laughs> uh, this is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and Steve Hall. You can text the show on 8.12.15. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Frank on the Radio. Email the show via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. And we have that rare thing on this show. We have guests today. We have Jack Malone and Natasha Hodgson from Operation Mincemeat, the West End Smash musical and um, that we've all seen and all love so they're in for a nice ride absolutely oh, yeah it's, it's, fabulous. Not, it's lovely to be interviewed by people that are actually like what you've done <laughs> well, i know i not... know i've worked on the alternative side of things <laughs> it's a relief to have people in anyway let's be honest we lead quite a lonely existence here but just knowing feeling confident that we won't have to lie yeah, I'm uh, I'm a bit like the 1950s <laughs> nuclear bonker Americans <laughs> who think we should keep an axe at the door in case any intruders try to get in. Yes, you do have something of that. Anyway, they'll be, they'll be joining us yeah. from, from 10 o'clock. I was to, to be a guest on this show, most of the guests you have on here are genuine, like they're, they're a high quality Tim Key or Ian Brody. We have six they're guests, <laughs> and now Operation Mincemeat have joined that. We only have people who um, we... Um, love their work. So we had Stephen Moffat and Neil Gaiman and Russell T. And Russell T was and a David one-off Baddiel. thing. David Baddiel. Yeah, well, there's an exception. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I love him more than I love his work, even though I love his work. We love both. We love them all. Um, however, I have something I want to raise with you, Frank. Well, hold on. I've got a text from 743 that says, when the Thai cave boys went back to their um, town after they were rescued that uh, the open top boss blasted out the boys are back in town throughout the oh. parade oh. yeah I made that up uh. <laughs> <laughs> but they should I'm just what they should have they should have done that <laughs> there was I could sense the tension me and Emily had there wondering where that was going which, yeah. well, I just were, well, were they going to have their own personalised trainers or something oh, like I that. also have a, a, a correction go on to make I don't know if we've still got correction oh here we go correction correction um, is that it seems ice cream vendors are not deliberately breaking flakes in half to make um, twice to make a flake go twice as far what is it there's a there's a some sort of flake fault at the moment that they are very crumbly flakes very crumbly <laughs> I've never heard such talk only the crumbliest flakiest chocolate yeah, is exactly. very crumbly when they bought it they should have allowed for some but they said it's crumbling so much they can't get a whole wait flake. till you hear really? about crunchy is this Frank. a tactic from Twirl to try and usurp oh, the flake market? Of course, so yeah, where, where, it? it's, where it's enveloped. Yes. What is it with what the onomatopoeic chocolate bars? What is the word? Here's a question for you, and I know the answer to this, so it's a small <laughs> quiz. Um, what is the word that chocolate, uh, chocolatiers, we'll call them, <laughs> use, use when they completely cover something in chocolate like that? Oh. What is the verb? Oh, they don't say covered. They don't say covered. They don't say encased. They oh. don't say as oh, I just oh. said. Is it enrobed? Is 
It's robed. Robed. Oh, yeah, we robed it. in chocolate. <laughs> like, it's been, I, it, like it's been elevated to the nobility. Oh, no. I, I, see, I, I, I think, don't like that. I think that's Alan Partridge in a travel lodge. Yes, I think of it in a hotel. I think of a belt. <laughs> I think of de-robed, and I, I don't like de-robed. I think of um, my partner who used to wear a robe with a non-matching robe belt, <laughs> which used to, I found, agonising <laughs> to I'll tell you what I hate is when they mix mediums for the robe. So a partner will sometimes come in wearing a waffle robe with a toweling belt. No. I'll have none oh, of that. no. <laughs> How many knots do you do in your belt? I never wear a robe, ever. Oh, the only time can... I ever wear a belt is when I'm uh, doing Axl Rose Wrestling. impressions. <laughs> do you wear a robe? I do. I let it hang loose like I'm the, the big Lebowski. I don't want to hear about this. I don't want to hear I about mean, I wear, I wear things Lebowski. underneath. I wear things underneath, dear God. <laughs> Uh, I just don't want to hear about it. We're entering a world of pain. (laughs) Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. There was a story, wasn't there, this week? There's been all sorts going on. (laughs) There was a story that that, um, I noticed particularly about two young Australian shears. (laughs) I still call them shears, mate. (laughs) Sorry about that. Flyman mongrel. Um. Um, There was a story about... uh, Two ladies, diddly diddly. Diddly diddly. <laughs> two, yes, two ladies. They like it. Mm. Um, and they were, they had an issue with what I imagine they would call excess bagao. Yes. <laughs> I've never really um, been very aware of excess baggage. I pack so light. Do you? No one, I've never checked excess baggage or anything. No one's ever questioned it. God, I really a, go with the minimum. What a stress-free life you lead. <laughs> yes. I mean, I every time I'm, I do not pack light. May not surprise well, you. Okay. I went to Birmingham once. Oh, come off it. <laughs> one of the uh, members of this team yes. was shocked because we were there for a night, I think, and I had three pairs of shoes and I think three foundation brushes. Mm. You never know what's going to happen on Broad Street. Well, three foundation <laughs> brushes are not going to weigh that much. But these girls, I'm going to these call girls. them. I'm going to call them girls because these they were they were 19. I they were students. Yeah. I'm old enough to call them girls. I call them girls with full respect. So um, they went away for a weekend, yeah. a weekend, <laughs> and still couldn't make the the weight. They went from, yeah. From, well, they were returning from Melbourne to Adelaide. Right, and, OK. And I've seen an interview where they'd basically gone a bit... Adventurous. Uh, gone a bit ex- they got excited and did too much shopping in Melbourne. So they oh, were... they shopped, of course, when you're in Melbourne. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you live in Adelaide... I've been to... I did the Adelaide Festival, and it's... Uh, apart from being in the actual Wild West of America, <laughs> it's the most like the Wild West I've known a town. Mm. Anyway... I wonder what happened to the Goat Prince when I was there. It was organised by a guy called the Goat Prince. Oh. And his dad was the Goat King. And he had... It would would follow. Yeah, he'd made his money by, I think, Angora goats or something like that. He'd imported... The the Chartouche He was was the goat millionaire. He was the goat of goats. Yeah, he was. So, yeah, I wonder if the Goat Prince is still uh, operational. If anyone's listening from Adelaide... 
Goats yeah. are bad. My, my if wife the goat is... uh, prince is listening, call me. <laughs> if the goat, yeah, he was a handsome boy, the goat prince. Was he? Apart from the horns. <laughs> anyway, my wife was actually born in Adelaide, and then they and they they made it to Melbourne when she was a kid. So, um, uh, which was an unintentional follow-on from the goat there, using the word kid. Mm. But, um, oh, I uh, see. But, yeah. My wife's gone to Indonesia. Oh, no, she went on an aeroplane. Now then, okay. So these young women couldn't make the seven kilogram limit. Hand luggage allowance, that is. That's for your carry on. I've got to tell you this. It means still means nothing to me. (laughs) Seven kilograms could be it could be Steve Hall's weight, (laughs) or it could be the weight of a penguin biscuit. Really? I have no idea. What they should People do, for the elderly like myself, whenever they put any of those it measures, the metric measures, they should have an animal in brackets <laughs> after it. So it, let's say if a, a, a tapir weighs roughly about seven kilogram, then they should say uh, the seven kilogram brackets tapir weight allowance. Mm. And then that would help people like me. How much do you? How much does Frank weigh in kilograms? Would you say? Um, well, I I weigh. I, I'm a little bit overweight. What I weigh animal? About, what animal do I weigh? <laughs> yeah. Well, it has to be a rare animal. I'm going to say a what? unicorn. No. Just, just in honour of No, he's not your... as big as a unicorn. No, I have got, got I have got a growth on my forehead which I've been picking at. <laughs> Which uh, has worried me. I've got to grow. This is what another thing when you get older. Lumps come up. Where were, Where have they been? Mm. Where have they been, those lumps? <laughs> what took you so long? Just sitting around waiting till I didn't care. I remember you, you it's in one of your books you talk about your ganglion. Yes, but I mean... Yeah, but he's, he doesn't do the blue stuff anymore. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> So we were discussing these uh, Australian teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should explain really what they did. Yes. In order to beat the the weight allowance... Yeah. They... Um, of seven kilograms. Yeah, they basically put all the clothes <laughs> in their bags on themselves. So I think there was at least one of them had, like, four pairs of trousers on and... They wore their entire collection. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them managed to get on 15 separate garments. Mm. One is... of them put an iPad down the front of her trousers. Absolute Radio does not endorse or recommend that. <laughs> no, I think it probably generates a killer ray, <laughs> doesn't it? Like the microwaves. Yeah. Well, it was amazing, the pictures they put that went viral. She looked a bit like uh, David Byrne in the Stop Making Sense video, oh, yes. but on a sort of more, yeah, on a smart did. casual. Yeah. Well, I um, I remember seeing uh, what I might call it was something like an anglergilet, <laughs> and it was a thing that was sold as a as a travel waistcoat, as we used to call them. <laughs> And um, it had multiple pockets, like the Angler likes, but at the back it had one enormous zip pocket for the laptop. Mm. Ah. So it, it was it's, it was encouraged and sold as that as a as a travel um, waistcoat. <laughs> um, waistcoat. Yeah. <laughs> Fo- See, I'm not sure when I watch people um, with hand luggage on wheels. I'm not sure if the concept of the travel item, mm. travel-sized, still exists. 
What do you mean? Well, I mean, a phone, surely, is a travel laptop. <laughs> Why do you need a laptop if you've got your phone? Mm. Like, I toured with a travel iron, which was a tiny iron, like a hobby iron that I used to have <laughs> to iron my shirts and that before That's I adorable. went. That's adorable. Yeah, but I didn't want to take a big home iron. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm travelling, people would... You know, people take, I don't know, travel scrabble. It's a little light thing. <laughs> Does yeah. that still happen? There's a few. You have like the travel toothbrush. Well, toothbrush. travel. Yeah, because that's a big, heavy, bulky <laughs> thing to be carried about in its original form. <laughs> I can't take. I can't get this monster in All my luggage. All the travel toothbrushes is they provide you with a little cocoon. They do. But what's but the point of a travel it toothbrush? It was fine living its own independent, free spirit life. I Did know. it need a bed? It had to no. fold into itself like a snail. It made a, comp- <laughs> a life of compromise it lives, the travel toothbrush. But I don't I'll tell you, there's... Frank, the travel, if I may say, in the cosmetics, in the world of beauty, mm. which you know is a terrain I'm familiar with. Yeah, it's not a terrain I've been anywhere near for a long time. No comment. What I would say is that the, there are infinite possibilities well, in I, the area of travel. I used to like, there used to be an area in the, in the airport boots that would have, like, travel <laughs> items and tiny little <laughs> bottles of shampoo and stuff, little things you could, uh, you could wear in a breast pocket. Yeah. I don't know if that exists now. I think people just really... You'll be telling me next that you don't Mm. get the halfway house between a paperback and a hardback novel. (laughs) What, 10.99? What do they call those? Aeroplane novels. Oh, airport novels. Airport novels. Who sits in the chair of the airport novel, would you both say? Grisham? Yeah. Ludlam Ludlam for a while, but Grisham, you're right. I I think I've seen... Who are you going for? The most recent one I encountered, Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino's book adaptation of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was shamelessly marketed as a as an airport read. I think you're getting a bit art house on. Also, <laughs> the idea who reads them at the airport? <laughs> Why isn't it called aeroplane read? I think they were big, there was a there was a whole lot of hijackings and people thought that with oh. a hard bat book you could probably <laughs> take down a, a member of staff, and so they had to take the sharp corners off. That's what happened. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, that's why they don't um, they don't play snooker on um, on clients because they can't have that pyramid for the uh, to gather the reds. We were speaking of the Sheilas, the Alva dressed Sheilas. Yeah, Um, I uh, they. Reminded me of I saw a woman at an airport. I may have told you this before. I saw a woman at an airport who was really she'd opened a suitcase for something and she it was it was it was a packed suitcase. And she just could I hope, not I should hope it was at yeah, the airport. She could <laughs> not reclose. She just couldn't she was sitting on it and everything. And she was really struggling. And I thought I could I could do that. I'm I'm much heavier than her. I could sort this. But she's too attractive to be helped. Right. <laughs> because if I go and help this woman, neither she nor any observers will think I'm doing it as an act of kindness. 
they'll think I've got some dark I motives. See, yeah. So I had to let her struggle. So this is the opposite of a knight's move. It is, yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to be that grey-haired guy who thinks, yeah, I'll help this babe. Like, who knows where it might lead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, so I just left her struggling, well, close to tears. Well, there's always the danger <laughs> that you could get papped in that moment as well. Yeah, I, everything about it, you know. The well, you mi- don't have to start rummaging around. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Just everything about her was too attractive to some people. <laughs> Would have, it might have, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the idea of if any smalls fell out the suitcase, <laughs> I'd, have to, kill her. I'd have to kill her and then turn the gun on myself. Would you, um, yes, it's interesting, in terms of helping a lady mm. with her case, would you balk at that? I, kind of like, I have to say, I love it when, a, when someone does that. I um I love help with baggage. I'll always be paranoid about the uh, when they say, "Did you pack this suitcase yourself?" And then <laughs> yes. the kids go, "No, Frank Skinner packed this for me." And so any any contraband. Yeah, but no, I think Emily's talking about carrying. Yeah. there's a famous. I'm not saying, "Oh dear, you appear to have some Dalek with William Hartnell's face on it." Do you remember that Alec Guinness story that a man saw Alec Guinness at a airport railway station went oh man Alec Guinness you're a genius I absolutely love your stuff Uh, can I have your autograph and he said if you help me with my luggage to the train (laughs) yes you can and the bloke said yeah fine so he got his autograph the bloke went on about you know he loved he loved him in uh, Star Wars and he loved him all through the movies and then he left and he, he forgot to help him with his oh. suitcase. Oh. So he was just stood there. Poor Alan This is what I did like about travelling with the world's strongest men. Mm. Because there's none of these complexities or niceties or concerns. They just pick up the cases. But they also, understand that's the contract. That's who you want to be travelling with <laughs> if you can't reclose your suitcase. Frank, one of them picked up my... They just pick up your cases Well, they for picked you. up you. I've seen I the know, photograph of me. you raised in the air by them. I feel one of them... I don't know this. I think even Phil Fister might have winced slightly and picked up my case. Really? And the guy was about to pull would, a plane that afternoon. Would, would they make that one of the events instead of lifting those massive Viking stones, they'd lift different luggage of different sizes? My cosmetics case. <laughs> well, the shot of them lifting Emily, they were so casual about lifting a fully grown We might have to reshare. Woman. I think it's yeah, time. It looked like they were looking for something that, and they thought she might be standing on it, so they just lifted her off out the way casually. <laughs> We were discussing uh, personalised trainers and sneakers earlier. Yeah, I mean, these... Th- uh, my son's uh, Kiss trainers, they, he bought... You know, they were bought... You can buy them with the band on. Someone didn't customise them for him. Mm. Kiss um, like money. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can get Kiss almost everything. Um, well, as you said, we, uh, you can see on that picture we posted, you can get Kiss... like birthday stuff stuff to stick in your cake and, and a thing on the wall that says happy kiss birthday <laughs> they really they are up for it mm. uh, we've had uh, 577 so that I have a pair of Converse trainers with a motif of the who mm. uh, on the side of one and a drawing of Pete Townsend on the other I bought them in London when I was 48 years old really? I think that's fine but what see. age was Daltrey on the 
What about when I interviewed Daltrey and asked him about his trout farm? What did he say? <laughs> he said the trouble is, it's very the, the way trout, the way the, the whole trout business is treated in this, and and did a little oh. fabulous speech, an insider's speech on why um, breeding trout isn't isn't just isn't the government made it so difficult. Who expected that in the Daltrey interview? <laughs> yeah. And at the end of it, he swung a, a fishing rod round, but just by the just by the the twine. People tried <laughs> to twine. Put... Still a word that people use for fishing yeah. line. People try to put them down. They do, yeah. I won't have it. The trout farmers is trout. Was that quite? Because I loved all three. Oh, I was there live aid with the with the shirt and all all sorts. What I will say. Is trout farming, it feels like it was from a certain era, that's what you did in retirement. Well, well, rock stars started to get country <laughs> estates. There's a famous story about, uh, I, I can't remember which rock star it was, but he bought a place with this sort of Tudor oak panelling. He ripped, he had all that. <laughs> yes, he did. Sorry. But anyway, there was, you used to get features in the NME or Melody Maker or Sounds. These was the three music magazines I had every week. Like music newspapers, really. And you would get Squire Daltrey, as he was called, <laughs> and it would have him in a tweed jacket and Wellingtons and walking next to his, his, trout, um, his trout waters. And you had to have a Swedish um, cabin crew wife. Uh, yes. An air hostess, as they called it back then. And then uh, also... Called Ingrid. Uh, there's a certain end of the rock market where you had to have a house that Alistair Crowley had formerly owned. <laughs> Someone needed to have worshipped the devil in there at some point yeah. in the past. The one that Jimmy Page owned. Jimmy well, Page. Don't mention he had that it. house. It's been the source of a lot... There's been a lot of problems. Is that the house that... That's um, the house. That Robbie Williams... There's uh, been a huge fallout. That was a war. That was one of the wars. That was a big war, yes. <laughs> yeah. Pop versus rock, that war was. Where Jimmy Page said that... Um, that uh, Robbie Williams was making too much noise with his building work. Well, no, he was preempting the noise and he wouldn't tolerate it even before he'd heard it. Mm. So what's happened now, yes, I know a lot about <laughs> this, they've had to come to a compromise where the basement or whatever has to be dug out, essentially using a travel toothbrush. Oh, I see. It has to be tools that will not make noise to upset Jimmy Page. It's interesting that the lead guitarist from Led Zeppelin is, uh, <laughs> is averse to loud noise. Misophonia. <laughs> I suppose he's just had enough of it over the years. Yeah, we all reached that point. Um, Jack Tar... He can, he can turn, Jimmy Page. Mm. <laughs> uh, thanks, ja thanks for getting that, Steve. Well done, Steve. <laughs> go on, go on. I was just going to say, Jack Tar says, Re, the boys are back in town. One theory says the song is about the Quality Street gang, who apparently not as fun as their name implies <laughs> they should have been. Oh, OK. <laughs> okay. I, thought, I thought that was... Remember that was the chocolate family that used to be on... Uh, um, sponsoring Coronation Street. Oh, and they were yes. all little chocolate people. <laughs> it was all lovely. And then you eat them. <laughs> Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. Okay, this is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean. And Steve Hall is sitting in today. What a joy it always is to have Steve. You can text the show on 81215, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Frank on the Radio, and email the show via frank at absoluteradio.co.uk. It's one of those weeks we've got guests. I know it doesn't happen very often, but 
Several months ago, I can't remember how long ago, I went to Southwark Playhouse, and I spoke about this on the show, to see a musical which someone had told me was good called Operation Mincemeat, and by golly, <laughs> it was wonderful. And now we have two of the stars of that show sitting here today. We've got Jack Malone and Natasha Hodson. Uh, now, if this was uh, Steve Wright in the afternoon, we'd go, yeah. <laughs> and then you guys would thicken it like, <laughs> I, like adding stock. But for now, it's great to see you, although... It's always a worry if you've seen people in character and you meet them for the first time out of character. We're not very interesting out of character, unfortunately. Yeah, sorry. Would you like me to be the character? This is a big mistake. Uh, well, we'll give it, give it a couple of links and then maybe you can, you can uh, just swirl into it. Sure. I like to start by making it quite awkward. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, yes, you are amongst friends here because we've all seen it. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's honestly what... And I've been to the theatre a lot. I'm old. <laughs> I've seen a lot of act. You've been to the amphitheatre. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a lot of act. I went to some of the competitions in ancient Greek. <laughs> the frogs, you were a huge oh, fan I of remember when Aeschylus came second. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it's honestly one of the best things I've ever seen and is life-affirming and joyous and thank you. I've seen it three times now. Mega fun. And I expect to see it more. It's brilliant. <laughs> so we've got that oh, thank out you. of the way. Thank you so yeah, it's much. magnificent. So um, how is it um, work-wise? Because it, they, you, I should say that these guys, they all play. It's one of those, um, my favourite kind of theatre, where you're in a nightclub and you put a hat on and you're on a submarine. It, work, <laughs> it works. Kind of I love yeah. that kind of theatre. <laughs> is it... Um, I mean, you you both look young and strong. God bless wow. you, thank you. It's yeah. a lot of makeup, a lot yeah. of potions. But how, how is it with the the actual strenuousness of it's it? It's pretty. It's a pretty crazy ride, isn't it? It's one of those mm. shows where, because there's only five of us in it, and as you say, it's a lot of hat work, mm. uh, sort of deep hat work, <laughs> uh, coming from the hat school of acting, really. Um, and you sort of the show begins, and you kind of go, okay, and then. A mad whirlwind of noise and sort of sweat and pe other people's limbs uh, sort of happen to you in whatever capacity you can imagine, and then and then before you know it, the sort of it's finished and hopefully people are clapping. But it is, it's 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 very physical and pretty strenuous, but yeah. I mean, incredibly fun. I, I I've never not done the show and at the end of it thought somehow I've I've done it, it I'm, I'm never like yeah I did it because of this this and this it's mm. always a little bit of magic at the end I'm like wow yeah I, I kind of finished it there that's uh, I don't know how we did that and then and on the two show days and two us. today yeah, yeah, yeah. Today. yeah at, the, at the end of the first one the matinee days you think to yourself well it's just simply someone's going to have to ring yeah, the, no way. The, the, the police and say it can't be done um, but no one does and uh, and we do it again and somehow it, yeah you, you finish the second show thinking oh you know it was alright in the yeah, end wasn't it could do another one really <laughs> for those for those who don't know, could you, between you, give a brief resume of what Operation Mincemeat is about? Absolutely. So it's a it's a World War Two spy story based on a true story um, about a crazy uh, MI5 mission that took place uh, during sort of during the uh, mid World War Two. So the the picture the picture of the scene, as my character likes to say, mm. quite a lot. Uh, it's 1943. The Allies are losing the war. Uh, Hitler's men have taken mainland Europe, and the only way we can get back in is via the islands to the to the south of the of the mainland. So we want to invade Sicily, but unfortunately Hitler knows that, and he's put all his best guys on Sicily. 
Sicily. So the MI5's job is to kind of bring his, what, what Churchill called his corkscrew thinkers, to come up with crazy plans to try and make the Germans move their troops over to somewhere else, such as um, Sardinia. And they came up there, so some a small group, including Ian Fleming of uh, James Bond fame, uh, and the sort of heroes of our story, came up with an idea to dress a corpse as a... Well, as maybe a, don't tell us the idea. Okay, no, okay. So so that's the, that's the what happens then? So it's, it. yes. So um, I have to say, and don't take this the wrong way, but if, if I'd known it was a World War II military thing oh, when I first no. saw it, I might not have gone. Oh, no, it's dreadful, isn't it? I went mm. as a completely blank page. I had no idea what it... It could have been about the meat industry, oh, for all not, I knew. You weren't <laughs> familiar with the film. I, no, I, the film wasn't out when I first oh. saw it. Oh, he well, was early you know, doors. When I, when, I, when, I, when I came across the story, I, it was such a crazy, amazing story. The only downside I could see was that it was set in World War II. And I texted the other guys who I wrote it with going, I'm so sorry, guys. I think we're going to have to write a musical set in World War II. And they're like, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Because I, I am of an age where I should just be watching Hitler documentaries every <laughs> night. But I just, I'm not interested. But this changes everything. More soon. Frank Skinner. Can I say, by the way, I was a bit worried because I saw you at um, Southwark Playhouse and then I saw you at Riverside Studios and then I heard the news that you were moving to the West End and I thought, oh, God, they're going to get a bodgy and all the wonderful <laughs> things that they just make up with hats, they're going to build a something. I'll give you the exact hats. I don't know if you saw War Horse live. I actually didn't yeah, see it, but I've, I've seen it. Yeah, you saw War Horse and then someone had an idea, what if we make a film, then we can have real horses. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, but people are only going for the puppets. No, no, people will love it. Of course, it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and I was worried. Do you know what I mean? That we would lose we the labour-intensive yeah. yeah. nature. But can I say you've, you have? Um, it's great. Thank it works. You. Thank you. Brilliantly. I hoped that we would lose the labour-intensive yeah, nature. Yeah, we would. There and they were like, like, no, no. Here's a box of hats. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not doing, we're not doing any of that. How nice is the box now? It's, <laughs> yes. Oh, it's a lovely Beautiful box. box. So, Jack, are you a sort of a? a an employee yes. in this. That's yeah. why I like to refer to it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is a there is an entity called Spitlip. Yes. Which I really want to call Splitlip every oh, time I say it's the biggest mistake we've ever made. Every, we should be called Splitlip because everyone gets it wrong, but it's well, too late now. Well, I lick my lips every time I read it. You know when, you, um, when you're going to sneeze and you think I might split my lips, so you lick your lips. Do you mm -hmm. ever do that? I'm, you're looking at me like no one else does. <laughs> that doesn't matter. We'll just let that pass. <laughs> so you, uh, Natasha, you wrote and came up with yeah, the, so uh, me, all that. Yeah, so it was me, uh, the guy who plays, who, there's two, two of the um, people in it, so David Cumming and Zoe Roberts, who were on stage with me, and then uh, we teamed up with a pal of uh, mine that I was in a band with, Felix Hagen, who's also a composer. So we all wrote it together, the four of us. Okay. And then, Jack, <laughs> were you a, a fan of the... Yeah. Tell us about that. So I was a big fan of... of um, of these guys, so uh, Tash, Zoe, and David were in another company called Kill the Beast. That they did these um, weird horror comedy plays, which just spoke to me on such a deep level that I immediately became obsessed with them and made them my entire personality. Mm. Um, and, and he's not stopped. No, so I'm, they, I'm getting edgy, Natasha. I don't know if it's for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool now. It's been years. I'm really the cool. The doors been locked, don't they? So, yeah, it's fine. But yeah, I was I I was just relentlessly a fan of theirs. They knew me from social media, just from popping up constantly. Um, to, I, I feel like I have to say, you, you, he did make fan art for us, oh, yeah. but it was incredibly good. It was like better than our 
art posters. Oh, I love fan, fan art. art. Did you ship any of them? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it didn't quite get to that level. Okay. Yeah, not, like... not, not publicly. <laughs> what I like is you're basically Frank in terms of being a fan, except he got the part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just remained in the distance. I think I look too much like Churchill nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to confuse things. So, Jack, you then audition to yeah. be in it. I mean, that that's like when I was in Doctor Who. It's like, it's sort of exciting but terrifying yeah. because you never want to be bad, but you don't want to be bad in something you love is yeah. even worse. And it was also, the, the stakes for me were so, I, I was so convinced going in that I was like, you have to let me play. I am I am completely what you need. I, I promise, I know that I am. And getting them to also know that was like, it was such high stakes. I was like, we, we really need to work together and you guys have no idea you think I'm a weird fan, but I'm not. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Frank, on the other hand, is weird. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm going through a similar thing with this morning at the moment. I don't think they really believe me. Frank Skinner. Absolute Radio. Now, I'm with uh, Natasha Hodgson and um, Jack Malone from Operation Mincemeat. One thing we haven't touched on is that a lot of the time, Jack, you're playing a woman and most of the time, Natasha, you're playing a man. What? How did that come about? It's one of those things where we, we've always sort of, in you know, we've been making sort of mad comedy t- together for a long, a long time, me and the other writers, and we always just sort of threw parts to whoever felt like it, whoever had the good voice, who had to do a funny walk. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, you'll play them. So it, we never sort of saw gender or sex or whatever as like a particularly interesting thing to kind of stick to. Because, mm. like, you know, when you go and see, you know, our plays were about werewolves and tentacles. Kind of, well, if you can get on board with the fact there's a werewolf prowling the streets on this bit of stage me putting a wig on and saying I'm a man is not particularly you know exciting or worrying worrisome so when we got to this we just thought we'd carry on with that really and also so that was the first basis and then we, when we're doing a story about essentially a load of old Etonians cooking up cooking up a plan you know for the establishment to fill it full of men doing exactly that mm. just didn't feel that exciting to us whereas if we could kind of flip it a little bit have have women come in and, and, and satirise it a little bit it's just seemed a bit more fun and, and on the same and the same thing yeah jack plays as middle-aged uh, woman hester uh, and we just and it's a similar thing we just thought there's not that many parts for people like us that are like that 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 sort of flip those sort of gender roles on their head and it's just it's just a bit more fun i think it's for the audience i think because the character that you play natasha is not wholly likable i think when a character is saying, for example, sexist things, mm. but it's played by a woman, it sort of takes it changes all sorts of weird dynamics yeah, go it's, off, it's and it makes, isn't it? it makes it more interesting and less um, unpleasant. Yeah, mm. uh, and I have to say, Jack, there is a mo- Jack um, plays um, Hester who is, um, what would her official job title be? She works for the intelligence. Yeah, she's sort of the, the big boss's uh, right-hand woman and she's sort of the head of the secretarial pool. A bit like well. a PI yeah. or something. Yeah. And... She's yeah. real. She does. She was. She yeah. Was no, she I've is. seen the. Yeah. I've, re- I've, seen I've read the program. Like <laughs> I have read. I know she was real. I've seen the pictures. Of course, she's read the program. <laughs> but if you stand back, and this is what I mean by a theatre where you don't need loads other than talent to to make you believe something. Is that I've seen it three times now, and Jack does a song in it, and 
Jack becomes Esther. And let me get this right. There's a slight frill on the shirt cuff. Yeah, just a little sleeve. And a, a sort of slightly garish um, pair of spectacles. Yeah. Pearl <laughs> lanyard. Yeah, yeah, With yeah. lanyard. Yeah. That's it. And I, every time I see this woman... Hester, do that. So I have cried all three times. Oh. And I don't mean cry. I mean cried like you're getting shushed by people nearby. <laughs> and it, the third time I saw it, which was quite recently, I started crying before it happened. Oh, no. Because I thought, here comes that thing I cry at. It's like Pavlov's dog. Uh, you stood in one corner and I thought, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> And that is what I love about... I totally, totally believe that this is a woman opening her heart on stage. I don't care how I've been made to believe that, but I think that's genius, really. It's well done, you. Oh, <laughs> we're, you. We're loving this, honestly. But yeah. no, it was, it was such an important thing that there was the first thing we did in Jack's first day of rehearsal was we made him because we didn't know what the casting was going to be. We had, the, you know, this team, but we, it was very fluid and we didn't know. Oh, you first, didn't know who was playing no, who? When, by no. By the time he came in, we didn't know. So the first thing he did in the first day of rehearsal was sing Dear Bill. And so, and he didn't didn't know, but the whole casting was based around how, whether he could pull it off or not. And he, yeah. and he sang it. We all cried, and that was it. Well, I'm getting. I cried, Steve. I'm yeah, honestly cried. getting I a bit tight. I was crying, and I looked at you crying. Steve cried, Frank. Wow. Well, I cry. You know, I cry. I'm a crier. You but oh these. my god, the third time. I mean, come on. This is Frank Skinner. This is Absolute Radio. One thing I should say about Operation Mince Me is um, at, the, at the top of the pyramid is a man called John Thoday, oh, who is my manager. Oh. And I have never felt more neglected by him <laughs> than I do since Mincemeat has gone to the West Why? End. Really? Yeah, I, I see him every day. Yeah, yeah, I bet you do. I never get even a text. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I've been forgotten. He's our, he's our king, John. Yeah, he's absolutely... He, no one has believed in this show more than John Thoda. He came and saw it back in 2019. We did it first in a tiny 80-seater, amazing theatre called The New Diorama, who, who championed new work. And he because uh, I'm also yeah managed by the same the same um, company and uh, he came and saw it when it was literally just five of us and, and 50 p's worth of hats it was it was such a tiny you know little production and he was the only person um, in terms of the sort of West Endy world who was like I think this could be something um, so yeah we do we do owe a lot to he'll, be, he'll be loving this he'll be <laughs> <Yes>. home, counting <laughs> up so a friend of his came on his over on calculator in fact the choreographer came over to me at the party oh, Jenny, yeah. and said uh, oh you're, oh, John he's so happy he said this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to him <laughs> in show business and oh. I said thank you <laughs> very much I remember when you used to get flowers for the three oh, lives I used to get birthday oh. gifts. <laughs> he, he bought me a piano. The millennium, he bought me an upright piano. A piano? Yeah. Oh, I'm not Well, he was trying to nudge sticks. you into making musicals. <laughs> yeah. That was the, yeah, I oh. think he probably <laughs> was. Yeah. yeah, but why did he buy me that World War II British <laughs> Army uniform? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Um, Jack, I want to talk about your bus stop. My, oh, my bus stop? Have you got a, a buzz? Stop. <laughs> Where buses stop. Haven't bus you got stop. a bus stop outside your house that stops you from getting into your flat? Yeah. Why do you know? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I only fast- just occurred to you something with some mega fans, you see. You know because I used to have, I used to live in a house with a bus stop outside. Yeah. So people lean against my front door. People sat on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> Did they? I didn't like it. <laughs> but they, they they lean against my front door, and and I I go over and I have to tell them. To, to move because that's my front door and I act like it's a big annoyance to me but secretly I love I love it I see them leaning there and I go this is the one bit of control I have in life because you have to move because I live there yeah but I can't you're moving I my not. key is in my hand you're, it's, the, the key is either going to penetrate you or penetrate that lock you better if, get out of the way if the key still fits after they've been leaning on that lock yeah do you have a speech prepared when you greet them then How no you... it's, it's all hand gestures it's all just a little point little nod little key in my hand let, let, let oh, them know I would get way. what would you do I'd get the sort of hat that a bus inspector might <laughs> never say I actually I think that's legal I went to the home of a well known um, I think I can say this you won't mind Holly Walsh who's, been, who's presented this show and who's comedian writer very very funny person indeed and I went to their house and that you know when you're at a, on to, at a bus stop and there's those uh, digital things that says when the next bus oh, yeah. is coming, like one, one, six, eight, two minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they got one of them in their house for the bus stop outside. <gasps> What? Yeah, so they can be just finishing a cup of tea and say, oh, I'm just going to get the 20 or the 23 or just arrive in and they go out and get it. Oh, what a dream. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> eh? Which room in their house do they have it? Well, we dined under it. Wow. <laughs> the, by the light of the bus stop schedule. I once at the what co- they, I don't understand. Are they positioned so near the bus stop that it's shining in through no, their they No, they have bought <laughs> one of those message centres from... Um, London Transport. You can't respect I that. didn't even know that was possible. Well, <laughs> exactly. The world I, is a magical place. I once ate at the Column Door, uh, a French um, uh, hotel restaurant. It was very posh. And you used to have a lot of artists live there. And I, I drank... I ate a meal under a Picasso and a Matisse and I was less impressed than I was <laughs> by eating under that digital bus timetable. I mean you guys have got all this to look forward to. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. Frank, Angie has been in touch. Oh my God. It's said, not mine. <laughs> You're all in the clear. Here's okay. the good news. Great news. Um, and says, My car is named after Jack. Hester. Hester oh. the Fiesta. Oh, oh. No, <laughs> oh lovely. That's, yeah. a, that's a legacy. Yeah, we, had, we had a lady who um, uh, had a litter of puppies and called them. Um, Monty Chumley, Hester Jean, and Spilsbury. You yeah, really? I mean, this. There are people who don't know about Operation Mincemeat, sure but is I know it's hard to imagine. <laughs> and my manager might even contact me now that I've said that <laughs> the first time for months. But it's th- those who know. It's become this. Co- I mean, I do suggest anyone listening to this if you. Even if you don't like musicals, whatever you don't like, you'll like this. That's my prediction. Oh, Frank guaranteed to me that I would like it. That's bold. And so I don't bold. offer many guarantees at my age, yeah. even <laughs> of waking tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and it turned out Jack was a, a fan of Frank's. There was a super fan element there, well, there yeah. which I enjoyed. Frank was in a, a wonderful uh, TV uh, movie called The Flint Street Nativity in the in the nineties, and I watch it every Christmas. It's it's really really brilliant. 
Yes, I play a strange child who's obsessed with football. Yeah, it all, <laughs> acts like he's on match of the day at all times. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, like he has two guests next to him. It's very, very funny. Very, very, very funny. Yes. Um, thank you for that. I... Um, I can't face it anymore. <laughs> oh, well, you know, your young face looking back at you. Anyway, this has gone darker than I, than I planned. I always thought you'd be very good in musicals. No, you know what? I've turned down uh, musicals. I don't want to Have poison you? the well. What if we wrote one for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what would it be? Yeah, oh, that be... manager's going to be at home. <laughs> Imagine John Thode. Yeah. I know that yeah. Imagine John Thode getting the phone call and saying, who? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yes, I, look, one of the things I noticed in the souvenir programme mm, very, very well was priced. that you were saying, if anyone's got any ideas for a musical, let us know. Is that a serious Did thing? We? Yeah, it's in there. Yeah. Ideas for a musical? Let us know. I mean, probably. Yeah, it sounds like the kind of thing. Well, we, we 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 need we need the next one now, don't we? I um I interviewed Andrew Lloyd Webber once, and he said that on the show. I don't know what we're doing. So means it. And a woman contacted our office and said, "I've written a, I've written a musical. I've, I mean, the songs aren't right, but I've written a Woman in White, the Wilkie Collins uh, Victorian oh, yeah. detective." And it happened. Yeah, it, it became happen. a musical on the no. strength of that interview. <laughs> well, if you've got any good ideas, don't give them to Andrew. Give them to us. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. we need them more than he does. Don't let the Andrew destroy them. <laughs> We're going to do Bad Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> Bad Pinocchio breaks bad. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Guillermo del Toro might be upset about yeah. that. He'll, he'll be into it. We'll get him in. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we'll yeah. give him a part. Frank Skinner and Guillermo del Toro. That's a musical. I saw him. I saw him do a talk recently, and um, oh, you fell he out. He spent you... the whole thing about saying it, it was a very communal enterprise, and everyone involved deserves the awards he gets and all that for the film. And he said, so yes, that's what I think about Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And I thought, well, you didn't have to put your name in it. (laughs) (laughs) Guillermo. (laughs) Anyway, very quickly, can you tell us where it's at and when? We sure can. So it's at the Fortune Theatre in London's lovely West End and it's playing till the 19th of August. Please do come along. Uh, We need you. It's only playing to the 19th of August. It is, yeah. It must be going somewhere bigger. It's going to the O2. I shouldn't say that. Uh, I'm quite yeah. right. Oh, so last time you said that, my nan t- texted me and was like, what, is it going to the O2? And I was like, no. <laughs> Come on. Don't, don't never say never, Jack. <laughs> no. Sorry. I might go again, Frank. Should we go again? Yeah. I, I'm sure I'll go again. <laughs> you need to get your crying I can't, I can't stop. Get, yeah, can I say I did more laughing than crying? <laughs> yeah. And I am walking around the house going, some were born to follow. <laughs> That's and some bad. were born in Leeds. <laughs> so, um, if you're born in Leeds, I'm not saying that's a negative thing. I'm saying you're a positive um, leader of men and women. <sighs> it's so hard in the 21st century for an old white guy. Okay, so, Natasha and Jack, it's been such a joy to have you on. Thank you so much. Thank you. A, a lot of people in this business never even get a smell of a hit, and you're oh, in the very midst of one. It, it is honestly we're so. We're so grateful. We're so excited. We're so tired. I'm yeah. excited and yeah. I'm nothing all it's lost me is a manager <laughs> <laughs> Steve it's always great to Cheers. have you on love we, you. we love you obviously I love you Emily but I'm not telling you that every week look if the good lord spares us and the creeks don't rise we'll be back again this time next week now get out